Today we will be talking to a park ranger from Denali National Park. She works with sled dogs to protect and preserve the park. Please welcome to the show, Julie Carpenter. Hello, Julie. How has your day been going? It's been going great. How about yours? Pretty good. Okay, before we start our interview with you, we are going to test your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod trivia questions for you. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Who won the first Iditarod? Um, I actually don't know that one. <laughs> Let's go to the next question. Dick Wilmerth. Um, and okay. who won the most Iditarods? Um, that one was Swenson, because he got one more win than Jeff King. Jeff King's one of our locals, so I know that he's won four. Good job. Thank you. Who founded the Iditarod? Joe Reddington. Yes. So how many dogs can a musher start with this year? Uh, well, this year it's changed. It used to be 16, and now it's only 14. Yes. Good job. What is the award given to the musher who finishes the race last? Uh, that is the Red Lantern, which is actually an award that I won with the Park Dogs uh, this winter in a Chichaco race in Tanana. That's cool. Tanana, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're going to be asking you some questions. Okay. Can you tell us about your job at the Denali National Park? Yes. Um, so I am one of the year-round dog mushers. Uh, so in the summertime, we're not really mushing the dogs because it's really warm for them. Uh, and they've just worked really hard all winter pulling heavy sleds thousands of miles so they get the summer off. Um, but in the winter, we start out with fall training um, where after they've been sleeping on their dog houses all summer, they don't really have all the muscles that they need to pull a heavy sled through deep snow. Um, so we start practicing with them on carts. We'll hook up about seven or eight dogs to a cart and we'll run them through our campground loops in the park and basically just get them used to running again, get them used to those cold temperatures. They'll run about seven or eight miles in a day and then we gradually increase those miles more and more and as they get up to the higher mileages maybe 18 to 20 miles then we'll start taking them out on the park road and back to the kennels at headquarters Um, once they're in pretty good shape from fall training as long as we have enough snow which we don't have right now so fingers crossed we get that snow soon uh, we can put them on sleds and then once we're on sleds we keep doing day runs to keep getting them into shape and then we can start doing some overnight trips with the dogs and the overnight trips what we'll usually do is start out doing just one or two or three nights at a time um, just to get the dogs kind of reset into the camping mode get the people situated so that they can learn their systems on how to camp in the backcountry and know what types of worm layers they need to bring and how to take care of themselves And then once all the people and dogs are ready to start moving farther into the park, we'll go farther into the backcountry, going maybe 12 to 15 miles in a day, um, gradually farther and farther um, for maybe 8 to 10 to 14 days at a time. And then gradually by the end of the season, the dogs are in really good shape. We've got a really good trail system in, and we can all be out there for upwards of about a month at a time. And then by the time that happens in March, we're starting to get a lot more daylight. Um, the temperatures are a little bit mild, um, and that's usually the glory season. We all love being out there in March. The dogs love being out there in March. They're just in shape. Everybody's having a great time. And then all of a sudden, April hits like a wall, and the temperatures start getting really warm, and our snow starts melting, and it's time to put the sleds away, which is always really sad. 
Um, but it gives us time to reflect back on the winter and look at all that the dogs accomplished and be really grateful that we're able to be out in the park for such long periods of time with the most amazing creatures on the planet. And then once April's around, we start kind of shutting down those winter operations and then summer operations kick into gear. Um, Denali is very much in the public eye where, especially even at the kennels, I think we get around 70 to 80,000 visitors coming through to say hello to the dogs and to learn about what they do on their winter operations. Um, so a lot of what we do is just education and outreach. Uh, we're still training the dogs and trying to keep them conditioned so that they can get into shape quickly in the fall. Um, but in general, their focus is just making sure that visitors have a really good experience, uh, and understand the importance and significance of how sled dogs in Denali. And so basically my role is basically just to be here year-round, support the dogs, train the dogs, be there for them, uh, give them the love and attention that they need so that they can be happy and healthy to perform their jobs. That's cool. Yeah, we actually got 14 inches of snow on Sunday, so we have a lot of snow. Yeah, I think you guys should put together your own team of sled dogs and start mushing around. Either that or send me 13 of the inches because we definitely <laughs> need more. Yeah. Um, so what inspired you to want to work in this field? Um, so I've always been very passionate about animals. Even when I was a kid, when I was at your age, I can remember writing um, when I was even younger in my fourth grade journal that I wanted to be a veterinarian or that I wanted to be a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld. So I knew even from a very young age that I wanted to work with them. I just had no idea exactly what I would want to do with them. Uh, and then I volunteered at an animal shelter when I was in high school, uh, my senior year, and I was working with dogs and cats and sort of helping out with their volunteer program. And I found it to be really rewarding. I learned a lot about hard work and motivation and what it means to work with and for animals. And then when I went to college, I decided to major in biology uh, so that I could continue to work with animals, either from a conservation or just a wildlife management standpoint. Um, and then it was my senior year of college where I was volunteering down in Guatemala at an animal rehabilitation center. And there were spider monkeys and howler monkeys and parrots. And I just had such an amazing time working with those animals, um, and especially the parrots, because to me, they're such intelligent animals um, that I wanted to learn more and more about. And then I ended up landing an internship after college that was with the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program, where they train dolphins and sea lions to do open water work. And a lot of what they use is operant conditioning, which I don't know if you girls know much about, but it's basically clicker training, um, except you use a whistle for dolphins and you use a verbal command for sea lions. Um, and it was at that point that I realized how rewarding it is to work with working animals as opposed to animals that are just in a zoo for entertainment setting. So I decided after that internship that I wanted to pursue a job or a career where I was working with working animals because I saw how much passion and enthusiasm they had to do their work. It just seemed like a good thing for everybody. So I found an internship through the Denali National Park Club on Kennels, and it was through the Student Conservation Association website, which is an organization that basically pairs up students or recent graduates with public lands. And I was a little too late in getting my application in. And I was so bummed out because I really wanted to work with the dogs because part of the um, advertisement basically said that you were going to be raising and training puppies to be sled dogs. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. 
So I actually emailed Denali National Park just to their general form that they have on their website. And I copy-pasted my resume into it. And I said that I thought I was qualified and that I really, really wanted the job. So somebody, I don't know who it was, was in an office and actually forwarded my resume to the kennels manager because she called me and she set up an interview. And I actually was down all the way in the Florida Keys, which is basically as far as you can get from Alaska. And I had this call from come in from Alaska and they said that they wanted to interview me and I was just over the moon about it. So I interviewed with them a few days later and then they offered me the job. And that was back in 2012 and I've basically been here ever since. I took a couple years off for grad school, but it's been a really incredible journey and experience and I love being here. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us when the program with the dog started at the park? Yes, I can. It actually started a really long time ago. Uh, Do you guys know when Denali National Park was founded? No, when? Okay, that was my trivia question. It was founded in 1917. And then the first superintendent of Denali National Park, his name was Harry Karstens. And he got dogs um, around 1921 or 1922. And he, before he became that superintendent and before the park was created, he was actually a mailman that was delivering mail and supplies around the area. So he knew the area really well. And he knew how critical dogs can be in transporting supplies from point A to point B. So once the park was established, because he had all these skills and knowledge about dog mushing, um, setting up the dog kennels was one of the first things that he did. So he went to a a village called Nanana, which is a little bit um, about an hour northeast of Denali. He picked up seven of the first park's sled dogs. And then I think it was by 1936, we had a kennels building built, um, and it was placed at Denali National Park headquarters. And I think we had 50 dogs at that point and about 14 puppies. And all of those dogs were here, um, and they were separated into different teams, and they would go off into different parts of the park. And they were there to patrol the park's boundaries from poachers, um, because part of the reason the park was established was to protect the wildlife that's within its boundaries, so doll sheep and caribou and moose. And so rangers were essentially going out on do- on with dog teams and trying to protect all of those animals from poachers who were coming in and um, trying to get them for their meat and for their furs. And um, so, yeah, so that was about 100 years ago. I guess in a few years we're going to be celebrating our 100th anniversary of the kennels, which is going to be really exciting. Um, and actually, over time, I, c- I can't really say that the kennels – were fully established with sled dogs um, because the dogs actually were sent away during World War II to help out with the war effort. So we were for a period of time without dogs, which was probably a very sad time for the locals. But then after the war, we brought the dogs back for summer demonstrations and they kind of were phased out when mechanized transport became more relevant um, and more in the public eye. And people just thought that machines were the greatest thing and that machines could get anything done. Um, but then what people started realizing is that machines actually aren't that great because machines break down and they take gas and they don't start when it's 40 below. Whereas when you have a sled dog, they're always excited to go. They'll always start at 40 below. You just have to give them a little extra kibble or a fish or a cookie and they get really excited. 
Um, and so we brought back the sled dogs to be used um, for patrols and backcountry operations. And ever since the 70s, it's been a really strong program where the dogs run thousands of miles every winter accomplishing various projects in the wilderness. Wow. Mm-hmm. What different activities do you do with the dogs? Um, let's see. Uh, so since they're working dogs, a lot of what they do is work. Um, but for them, working is very fun and training to do work is very fun. Um, so I guess I'll start kind of at the very beginning of a life of a sled dog here. Um, when they're puppies, when they're about three days old, activities that we do with them is actually turn them upside down on their backs. We tickle their bellies. We tickle their toes with little Q-tips because it helps stimulate nervous system development. And it gets them used to being handled by humans. We want them to have a very trustful relationship with us for their entire lives while they're working with us. And part of handling them from such a young age is to establish that trust very early on. And once they're big enough to sort of romp around and be outside the puppy pen safely, we start taking them on some really fun puppy walks out behind the kennels building. We'll go out the spring trail or down towards the creek, and that way the puppies can run over logs, crawl under logs, run around with moss and sticks in their mouths. They'll run through puddles. They'll run through open water. And that way they're getting exposed to a lot of the different conditions that they're going to be exposed to later on in their lives. So they're getting habituated to different types of terrain. They love running through the brush and running through the willows. Um, And that's a love that we want to cultivate very early on in their lives because they're going to be working for us um, for the next eight or nine years of their life. And by setting that standard where it's a very fun and exciting thing. Um, they really, it, it continues on and they love doing it for, you know, the next eight or nine years. So the activities when they're puppies, um, that's the most important part of their training, I think. And then when they're in their first winter on the trail, they'll be running loose next to all the other dogs. So we'll put them in the harness, but we don't actually put them in the team um, for any sort of long miles or heavy pulling. Uh, they're basically just running next to the adult dogs and tackling each other and playing and getting tangled in the woods and willows and then we have to go fix them we always joke that we're out there for such a long period of time but it's such a joy to have the puppies there because they're just this constant comic relief for us and you can really start to see different personalities emerging in the puppies at that time you can tell the ones that really want to be part of the team they'll kind of wiggle their way into the gang line between the adult dogs and they'll give the adult dogs little puppy kisses and they'll pretend that they're pulling even though they're not And then you start to see some of the more bold and independent ones will be running along the trail in front of the lead dogs. And sometimes they'll slam on the brakes for something and the the lead dogs will kind of plow into them. And it's always really cute. And then they have to dive off the trail. But then a minute later, they're out there in front again. So you start to see a lot of different personality characteristics. And you can really tell that they're seeing... Um, how fun it is to be out there and they're enjoying it and they're romping around and they can also see how much fun the adult dogs are having. And then by the time their second winter comes around, um, they've experienced all the fun, they've experienced the conditions and really it's very simple for us to just hook them up into team Um, We'll put on their tug lines, we'll put them into the necklines, and they just, the transition is almost seamless because they've had such good training their first years. And then um, when we start putting them up into the lead positions, it's the same thing. We're not going to put them in um, anything that's too stressful or too scary for them. We'll put them next to an older, more experienced lead dog who can kind of show them the way. Um, And so that's basically how it goes for every generation of dogs that comes out with us. 
um, and the various projects and activities that we're working on when we're in the park. Um, so do you guys know anything about Wilderness or the Wilderness Act? No. No. Okay, so there's a Wilderness Act that was passed in 1964 um, that designated 2 million acres of Denali National Park as designated wilderness, which means we're not allowed to use mechanized transport like snow machines or trucks or helicopters in all of those 2 million acres. But the dogs, because they're not mechanized and they have a very low impact, we can use. So anytime we have any sort of um, construction site um, or if the trail crew uh, needs any sort of heavy supplies hauled, we'll actually load up our dog sleds, and we'll use Siglin sleds also for some extra surface area, and we'll load all sorts of supplies into our sleds, and we'll have the dogs haul those supplies in that wilderness area so that we don't have to use trucks or snow machines. Uh, we also work with a lot of the researchers in the resources department um, that have various experiments that they're doing in the backcountry that they can't access with snow machines. Um, so if we have any sort of soundscape experiments where there's basically microphones that are put in really remote places of the park that are designed to capture all the different sounds of nature, whether it's avalanches or birds or howling wolves, um, basically if you're to take all that equipment out with a snow machine you would just get a bunch of loud engine noises but with the dogs you can really kind of preserve that silence um and minimize the impact uh that you're creating on the landscape um and so we work with those researchers when we're out there with the dog team we're usually collecting data um meso carnivore scat will go along and collect poop from um fox and lynx and wolves so that we can look at the distribution of animals in the park um, we, yeah, so we're, we're basically out there all winter long working on various projects. We put trails in for recreational users because we're out there, um, or visitors are, uh, allowed to come in any time of the year and we like them to have a trail system to use so that they don't get overwhelmed by all the wilderness. Um, and yeah, those are the activities that we do. That's cool. Mm-hmm. What are the different jobs people have at the kennel? That's a good question. Um, so basically, anyone who works at the kennel, their job is to make sure that the dogs are healthy and happy and safe. So at the tippy top, we have a kennels manager who is in charge of the day-to-day operation, um, making all the big picture decisions, um, hiring incoming staff, um, making sure that the dogs are on the right track to being happy, healthy, and safe. And then we've got a couple of other different positions um, that are focused on the winter aspects of dog mushing. Uh, We've got about two seasonal positions in the summertime um, that focus on making sure that the visitors have a really positive experience and learn a lot during our summer demonstrations. Um, They do free run pen time with the dogs. They're usually in charge of our volunteer dog walking program where volunteers that live in or near the park will adopt a dog for the summer and walk their dog um, multiple days a week. Um, And then we also have a couple of interns uh, that I mentioned earlier. When I started out here, I started out as an intern. And the interns are also here um, basically doing the same job that the seasonal workers are um, and ensuring that everybody's happy and healthy um, and they get a lot of good experience. Usually they don't have much experience working with animals yet, um, so they get to learn how to train dogs. They get to learn how to raise huskies and raise puppies. Um, 
and so yeah we've got about a six person crew uh depending on the summertime or the wintertime and then in the wintertime we also have a couple of volunteers that will help us actually mushing the dogs in the park wow how many dogs do you have in the kennel Oh, good question. Um, well, we have five puppies that were born in August, and then right now we've got 28 adults. So our total is 33 dogs in the kennel. Wow. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with the names for the dogs? Oh, that's also a good question. So it changes every year. Um, Sometimes it's actually a nationwide contest where we'll open the contest up on Facebook um, or other social media platforms, and then people can suggest the names that they want to come up with. Um, Other times we let people in the park come up with a theme, and then the kennel staff works together with everybody to actually decide the individual names of the puppies. Um, This winter we did a really cool project where we mushed – the dogs along a historic mail trail route from Nanana to Tanana. And we were staying in schools along the way and doing education programs um, to introduce um, different students across Alaska to the dogs and um, what the Denali dogs do. And we had such a good time working with all of those students that this year we actually let um, each of the schools that we worked with come up with a name um, that was basically... Um, supposed to revolve around their culture uh, or the names of dogs that their elders had run in the past uh, because sled dogs has been such an important part of Alaskan history. Um, And so each of them came up with a different name according to just their local culture or their local area. And um, they came up with some really cool names this year. I, I think this is actually my favorite litter of names that we've had since I've been working here. Wow. What are the current names of the puppies? Uh, current names of the puppies. Okay. Um, so we've got Cusco, uh, we've got Nucha, we've got Doggo, and Gladys, and Elsie. <laughs> Those are cool names. Yeah, they're very Alaskan. So we got um, an email from Julie, and we just found out there are two more additional puppies, Chinese and Bensi. Do you personally have a favorite dog? Um... Oh, I feel like I'm cheating by saying this. I I truly love every single one of the dogs that we have here. Um, but I'd say there are a couple that really stand out to me. Um, the first one is Carpe, uh, because when I first started working here in 2012, Carpe was a puppy. So I kind of feel like that was my puppy year, and it was also Carpe's puppy year. And I mentioned our volunteer dog walking program earlier, um, and I actually... Uh, signed up to volunteer um, to walk Carpe all summer. And that summer, it was just, I never had a dog before. So being able to hang out with Carpe all the time and to develop that relationship and see what it means to truly have a dog love you was just like one of the most incredible things that I've ever experienced. And so Carpe is actually still with us in the kennel. He's about seven years old right now. And we retire the dogs when they're eight or nine. So I've been working with him his entire career. And then when he retires, either next summer or the summer after, I plan on being the first person on his adoption list. So I'm going to put in an application and keep all my fingers and toes crossed that he can come home with me and then spend the rest of his life with me. Um, I'd say the other dogs that I really like in the kennel, um, there's some really incredible lead dogs that we have, um, Munter and Opus specifically, um, who just kind of have this old soul wisdom in them 
where they're always still so excited to run and pull no matter how heavy the load is, no matter how hard the conditions are. They're just, they don't fight with other dogs. They're so sweet to all the humans. And you can be in like the most stressful circumstances in a whiteout blizzard or crossing open water channels on a major river. And they will just take every command on a dime. If you say, gee, they take a right as quickly as you say it. If you say, ha, they make an immediate left. And so it's just, there's something really incredible about working with a dog that is so in sync and in tune with you um, that I just, I have a lot of respect for all the dogs, but Bunter and Opus are just, they're really cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our last question for today is, do you ever sell any of the dogs before they retire? We do not sell any of the dogs. No, it's, um, Basically, part of our mission and vision that we're not here to make any sort of profit on the dogs. Um, so we don't sell them when they're puppies. We don't sell them uh, when they're adults. Uh, there is, on occasion, um, a dog that we work with that we've either bred in the kennel or adopted in from another kennel that just doesn't have a thick enough coat or long enough legs to get through deep snow. Um, sometimes their feet just get a little too sore on running on the snow conditions that we have. Um, so instead of ever selling the dog, what we'll do is we'll just make sure that we can find a family that lives in a cold climate that has a really active and healthy lifestyle um, that can take that dog out for lots of ski joring and hikes and walks and runs. Um, if that dog wants to sit on a couch for the rest of their life and just hang out, that's fine. They're totally going to have that option. Um, but for the most part, we're breeding dogs that are very energetic, um, that have a very strong need and desire for adventure. Um, so we want to make sure that we're just adopting them out freely um, to families that can give them that really happy life. That's really cool. So the next part of our show will be called Brain Freeze. We have five would-you-rather questions for you to answer. Ready? Okay, yeah. People or animals? Oh, man, that's so hard because both of them have, like, so many pros. Um, shoot, my my boyfriend's going to be really mad at me for saying this, but I got to say animals. <laughs> <laughs> Family or friends? Oh my gosh, you guys are making this so hard. Um, I'm going to go with family because in my mind, friends are family. So that's like two birds, one stone. That works. Yeah. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Ooh. <laughs> Swimming or running? Um, Swimming if the water's warm, otherwise running. <laughs> Christmas or Halloween? Oh, shoot. Um, I'd say Christmas because there's more incentive for all family members to come together, and I love seeing my family. Nice. <laughs> this question we're asking all of our guests, if you could go on one sled dog trip with anybody, living or dead, who would you choose and why? Oh, that is such a good question. Um... I would probably go on a sled dog trip anywhere with John Steinbeck. 
Um, he's a pretty famous American author that's written Grapes of Wrath and Of Mice and Men, um, East of Eden. He's my favorite author, and I love the way that he can express and explain the details of nature that he's traveling through. Um, and I just think he's a great guy, so I would say John Steinbeck. Wow. So finally, what is your favorite song? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so there's this artist who I don't really know much about. I think she's like a really small artist um, that's from maybe the South in the Lower 48. And she wrote a song called Hold On. Her name is Shannon Worst, uh, W-U-R-S-T. And I just, I, it's about mushing sled dogs, believe it or not. Um, and it's about holding on and not letting go. Um, and that song kind of got me through grad school. And every time I feel like something in my life is just a little bit too difficult to navigate, I listen to that song and it just like totally reinvigorates me. It reminds me how much I love working with sled dogs and how much there is to love about life in general. And so my favorite song is called Hold On by Shannon Worst. That's really cool. Yeah, you guys should totally listen to it. <laughs> Thank you a lot for talking, for taking your time to talk to us today. We learned a lot. Good. Have You're a welcome. Thanks for calling me. Have a good day. Special thanks for our guest, Julie Carpenter, for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the I Did A Show song. Now enjoy a clip from Julie's favorite song, Hold On by Shannon Worst. <laughs> 